62 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Churches today have many underworked spectators and a few overworked laborers. So some of us are just frustrated for whatever uh, reason when it comes to our work. We don't know how to organize our day. We don't know how to plan ahead. We don't know how to have goals and and then uh, the the means to reach those goals. We can't get others to cooperate with us. Uh, We can't can't seem to get ahead and uh, we keep falling behind, not getting work done on time, and we're just frustrated. Well, frustration on the job is probably nothing new to most of us. And it is more common in our churches than we would like to admit. Today, we will see how one very wise leader avoided some of these problems among the people under his leadership nearly 2,500 years ago. Welcome to another broadcast of Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Steve is the teaching pastor at the Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, and his clear teaching of God's Word has helped many in their walk with God. We have been listening to his series on the book of Nehemiah, and today on the program, we will begin Pastor Steve's sermon on chapter 3 of that book. Now, one interesting element of this chapter is that it does not at first appear to contain very much of interest at all. In fact, it is the sort of passage that might leave us wondering, so why is this in the Bible? However, Pastor Steve is going to take us step by step through the process of discovering the useful message that it holds for us today. So let's join him now with our Bibles open to Nehemiah chapter 3. Well, let's turn our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 3. And in case you're wondering if I'm going to attempt to read the whole chapter, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Bear with me. Uh, You can follow along with your map if you can do that. And uh, if you think that I know how to pronounce all these Hebrew names, you are mistaken. Just going to take a crack at it. Nehemiah chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Then Elishib the high priest arose with his brothers, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They consecrated the wall to the tower of the hundred and the tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachar, the son of Imri, built. Now the sons of Hassaniah, or Hassanay, built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And next to them, Memorath, the son of Uriah, the son of Hekaz, made repairs, and next to him, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshazabel, made repairs, and next to him, Zadok, the son of Bena, also made repairs. Next to him, the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not support the work of their masters. And Joada, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Besadiah repaired the old gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and its bars. Next to them, Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Maronithite, the men of Gibeon and Mitzvah also made repairs for the official seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. 
Next to him, Uziel, the son of uh, Harahiah, of the goldsmiths made repairs. And next to him, Hananiah, of the perfumers made repairs. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, the official of half the district of Jerusalem made repairs. Next to them, Jedidiah, the, or, or Jediah, the son of uh, Haramaph, made repairs opposite his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashbaniah, made repairs. Malkajah, the son of Haram, and Hashub, the son of Mahath Boab, Moab, repaired another section of the tower of furnaces. And next to him, Shalom, the son of Haloesh, the official of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs, he and his daughters. Hanun and the inhabitants of Zenoa repaired the valley gate. They built it and hung its doors with its bolts and its bars and a thousand cubits of the walls to the refuse gate. Hamalkajah, the son of Rechab, the official of the district of Beth Hakarim, repaired the refuse gate. He built it and hung its doors with its bolts and its bars. Shalom, the son of Kolhose, the official of the district of Mitzbah, repaired the fountain gate. He built it, covered it, and hung its doors with its bolts and its bars and the wall of the pool of Shelah at the king's garden as far as the steps that descend from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, official of half the district of Bethsur, by the way, it's a different Nehemiah, made repairs as far as a point opposite the tombs of David and as far as the artificial pool in the house of the mighty men. After him, the Levites carried out repairs under Rahum, the son of Bani. Next to him, Hashabiah, the official of half the district of Keilah, carried out repairs for his district. After him, their brothers carried out repairs under uh, Bavai, the son of Hanadad, official of the other half of the district of uh, Keilah. And next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, the official of Mitzpah, repaired another section in front of the ascent of the armory at the angle. After him, Baruch, the son of Zabai, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the doorway of the house of Elishib, the high priest. After him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hekaz, repaired another section from the doorway of Elishib's house, even as far as the end of his house. And after him, the priests, the men of the valley, carried out repairs. After them, Benjamin, Hashub, carried out, and Hashub, carried out repairs in front of their house. After them, Azariah, the son of uh, Masiah, Son of uh, Ananiah carried out repairs beside his house. After him, Benuai, the son of Hanadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah as far as the angle, as far as the corner. Pelal, the son of Uzay, made repairs in front of the angle and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king, which is by the court of the guard. After him, Padiah, the son of Parash, made repairs. And the temple servants living in Ophel made repairs as far as the front of the water gate toward the east and, and the projecting tower. After him, the Tekoites repaired another section in front of the great 
projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priest carried out repairs, each in front of his house. After them, Zadok, the son of Emer, carried out repairs in front of his house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, carried out repairs. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaph, repaired another section. After him, Meshalem, the son of Berechiah, carried out repairs in front of his own quarters. After him, Malachjah, son uh, or one of the goldsmiths, carried out repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants in front of the inspection gate as far as the upper room of the corner. And between the upper room of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants carried out repairs. Okay, you followed with me? Now, what we have just read is considered by many to be one of the most boring parts of the Bible. They would, uh, they would read Nehemiah chapter 3 and rank it right up there with the Old Testament genealogies and the laws of the leper. You ever read the laws of the leper? If you started to read the Bible through um, and trying to read it in one year, you might get stuck on the laws of the leper. I mean, it's, it ranks right up there. But I really have news for you, for those of you who might think that way, and that's probably most of us, uh, Nehemiah 3 is actually a very relevant portion of Scripture. It's very practical. In fact, it's very interesting. It's an interesting portion of Scripture. James Boyce in his commentary on Nehemiah says this, Nehemiah 3 is actually one of the most important sections of the book, and it's even interesting. Philip Rosenbaum in his book, believe it or not, there is this book, How to Enjoy the Boring Parts of the Bible, (laughs) said this, To me, this chapter is so lively and fun that it is hardly work to write about it. Now, you might, think, might not think that, that way but, uh, right now, but hopefully, uh, after we finish studying this chapter this morning, you will see that. Now, how do you derive, I mean, this is the real question, how do you derive something interesting from a long, long list of names that are difficult to pronounce? And uh, uh, I, I probably just cut these names and just did a terrible job. And also statements that are uh, unusually repetitious, and tedious details about building a wall. I mean, how interesting is that? They built a wall. Names that we don't even know how to pronounce. Unusual repetitions. Well, for one thing, what you need to do in approaching this chapter is get the big picture. What, what is it when you take all of this aside, all of the details, what, what's the big picture that you have left? Basically, this chapter is a detailed account of the way the walls and the gates of the city of Jerusalem were built were rebuilt, focusing on the names of the people who did it. That's what Nehemiah is, is giving us. It's Nehemiah's account of who did what and who built what as they rebuilt the walls and the gates of the city of Jerusalem. But I want you to know it is more than simply an historical account of what some Jewish people did about 2,500 years ago. What we see in chapter 3 is really the results of Nehemiah's nighttime survey of chapter 2. Remember it says in chapter 2, when he got to the city, he stayed there for three days. And then after three days, he, uh, he got either on a horse or a donkey and, and he inspected the walls of the city. He surveyed the place. He took in the information. He was, he was building a plan. And we would suspect that for those three days... Uh, he was also, that was also part of his plan, that he was gathering information, he was checking out who was available, he was asking questions. Well, chapter 3 is the result of the planning of, of chapter 2. Now, 
Another question is, why then is this so relevant and important to us? And here's the answer. Because it reveals Nehemiah's incredible leadership skills and organizational skills. His organizational skills and principles of how to get work done are terrific. They're relevant. They're practical. And where it hits us is this. Most of us lack good organizational skills. Most of us moan about not having enough time to do the, all the work that we have. Now, we do have enough time. Nobody gets any more time. We all get 24 hours a day. It's not that you need more time. It's that within that, that period of time, you need to organize yourself so you get more work done within the, the sphere of, of time that you have. But most of us moan about that. Our work never seems to get completed. By the way, do you know how... Um, how long it took these people to complete the wall around the whole city? 52 days. That's an incredible amount of time. Incredible amounts of time. Very quick. Um, some of us are, are, are really struggling. We're frustrated. Not only don't we seem to get uh, ahead in our work, but we keep falling behind and we get bogged down in details and we can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. Some of us are overwhelmed and frustrated, especially this time of the year. You really want to get more work done, and, and we don't seem to be able to do it. Or some of us can complain about the lack of help that we get to do our jobs, especially in church work. Churches today are infamous for this. Someone has compared the church to a football game played in a large stadium. They said there are 70,000 spectators badly in need of exercise and 22 men on the field badly in need of rest. That's like, that's like a church. Churches today have many underworked spectators and uh, a few overworked laborers. So some of us are just, are just frustrated for whatever uh, reason when it comes to our work. We don't know how to organize our day. We don't know how to plan ahead. We don't know how to have goals and, and then uh, the, the means to reach those goals. We can't get others to cooperate with us. Uh, we, can't, we can't seem to get ahead and uh, we keep falling behind, not getting work done on time, and we're just frustrated. So Nehemiah chapter 3 is very, very relevant to us because we need to learn from him how to work properly, especially in light of serving the Lord today. Now, I don't think it's only that. I mean, you can take these principles and apply it to, uh, to business. But I think it's, it's best to see how can, how can we do the Lord's work in the context of the local church. So we want to see... Chapter 3 is relevant to us, how to learn from Nehemiah, how to work properly, how to be organized, how to, how to bring a plan together, how to uh, effectively manage people, how to effectively manage people, which, which many uh, don't have a clue about that, uh, how to, how to uh, manage those who work under you, how to get them to, to work harder, how to, how to get yourself to get more work done, and so forth. Uh, this can be, as I said before, a guide for good business management principles uh, to work in the home as well, but also in the setting of the local church. Now, uh, just so you know, I think the key to interpreting this, and I've read a number of commentaries about how to interpret this, because when I looked at it this week, I thought, wow, what do you do with this? And uh, some want to go around and, and visit all the gates and read some, uh, some deep spiritual truths into the gates. I don't think that's Nehemiah's point at all. I think Nehemiah is, is uh, giving us principles of serving the Lord and getting the work done. And the reason I say that is because I think the, the key to, to interpreting this properly is to look 
for reoccurring phrases. When you have a passage of Scripture like this, uh, how do you know what the message and intent of the writer was? Well, you look for reoccurring phrases, for repetitious concepts, because he's repeating these things because there's a message here. Yeah, and so that's what, what, that's what I've done, and that's why I take this approach. And what we're going to see this morning is three aspects of Nehemiah's organizational skills that stand out. If you copy these and emulate them and incorporate them into your life, you will have some organizational skills that will, will help you to get work done for the Lord, help you to uh, organize your time better, and uh, just help you in bringing a plan together. So let's begin by looking at the first of Nehemiah's organizational skills, was his ability to assign the right tasks to the right people. He assigned the right task to the right people. Now, one of the reoccurring phrases of this chapter is the phrase, next to him. We just read that, and I don't have to go back and show you, but it's all throughout. Next to him. Next to him. In fact, the words next to him are found 28 times in this chapter, and the chapter has only 32 verses. So obviously there's a message here. Someone was working next to him. Everybody knew what section of the wall they were to work on. They weren't like the Keystone cops running around. Oh, you have this, I have that. They all knew where they were supposed to work, who he was next to. Every person knew where he belonged, where he fit in, and what was expected of him. Now, there's a lot that could be said this morning just about delegation and good communication. That's often where many of us fail in getting work done. And so we tend to get bogged down in the details. You know, some people, especially perfectionists, do not delegate well. And the reason being is because they haven't found anybody who can do the work as, as good as they can. So they just work on themselves, but uh, they get bogged down in details. And so we could say a lot about just delegating, but I don't think that's the main point here. Delegation alone isn't the real issue in chapter 3. It is the absolute common sense and clear thinking of Nehemiah that, that he brought into the way he delegated the, uh, the work on the wall. It's absolutely brilliant. His, his organizational brilliance shines through here. You see, you can delegate tasks to the wrong people. You can delegate, but if you don't delegate to the right people... The work's not going to get done. You need to match the job with the person. You need to have a fit based on, on them fitting properly. You need to assign people tasks for which they're suited, for which they're interested in, for which they're talented in, for which they're gifted. Whatever way you want to put it, uh, that's the way to do it. And that's what Nehemiah did. Let me, let me show you. First of all, notice that Nehemiah assigned people to work near their own homes, their own houses. For example, in chapter 3, verse 23, after them, Benjamin and uh, Hashub carried out repairs in front of their house. In front of their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Masiah, son of Ananiah, carried out repairs beside his house. Notice verse 28. Above the horse gate, the priest carried out repairs each in front of his house. And it says that in verse 29 and verse 30. I mean, we don't need to take the time to, to go back. That's a principle here that stands out. Now, why was this such a good Good organizational thought on Nehemiah's part. Well, let me give you several reasons why this makes sense. First of all, these people would be highly motivated. 
highly motivated to put forth their best efforts since a breach in the wall would mean their family wouldn't be protected. The family, the house was right next to the wall. So if that wasn't strong, that part of the wall wasn't strong, that could easily be broken into and your family would be at risk. So these men would be very motivated to put forth their best effort. They had a vested interest. Secondly, these men didn't have to waste time traveling around the city. They didn't have to commute. They got up in the morning, they walked out the door, their place of work was right there. They didn't have to go home for lunch. They didn't have to um, waste any time to, uh, to, to take breaks and go back and, see, and check on their families and all that. They just worked right there. Third reason why it made sense is that in case of attack, and that's really why you built a wall to protect yourselves. In case of attack, they wouldn't be tempted to leave their posts and protect their families. Why? Their families were right there. So they didn't have to worry. They didn't have any unnecessary anxiety. I mean, it just made good sense. Secondly, in addition to the men working on the wall closest to their own house, there were several who didn't even live in Jerusalem who came to help. We read about the people from Jericho, the people from Tekoa, from Gibeon, from Mitzpah. Those are all other areas. These are not communities in Jerusalem. These are outside cities. They came to help. They were commuters. And Nehemiah purposely assigned them sections of the wall where their homes uh, where there weren't any homes. There weren't any homes. I mean, none of this is haphazard. All this is planned out. It's by design. For example, in verse 2, next to him the men of Jericho built, and next to them Zechar, the son of Imri, built. No mention of any houses. They just built where there were no houses. Uh, verse 5, moreover, next to him the Tekoites made repairs. It says the same thing in verse 7, next to them and, and so forth. Uh, these are outside people and they didn't build right where the houses were. Why? Because the men who owned those houses, they built there. Brilliant plan. Number three, also some men were assigned work according to their skills and vocations and interests. Uh, notice verse 1. Then Elishib, the high priest, arose with his brothers, the priests, and built the sheep gate. You want to look at your map, where the sheep gate is. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They uh, consecrated the wall to the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of uh, Hanano. Now, why would it be important for the priest to work on the sheep gate? Well, it would be very important because the sheep gate was, where, was the gate where animals were brought uh, into the temple area to be sacrificed. It'd be very important to the, uh, to the priests to make sure that that gate was working well. So Nehemiah assigned the priest there. That just makes sense. Now, the principle, the principle for what Nehemiah did was this. He assigned people tasks that perfectly fit them. In other words, everyone was involved at the level of their interests. Now, as we think today about the Lord's work, and we think today about serving the Lord in the context of the local church, we have to realize that very often local churches are inefficient and ineffective because we've got the wrong people doing the wrong work. Sometimes we just say, look, if you've got a willing heart, that's all that counts. No, that's not all that counts. Are you competent in this area? In churches, we do things that in business they wouldn't allow often because we just think you've got to have a willing heart and you love the Lord so, and, and you've been here for more than three weeks regularly, so we'll plug you in. Uh, that's not the way to do it. At times, we assign people to just do the wrong task. 
Most of us simply do not like to admit that we may not be very good at doing certain things. However, this account of Nehemiah and those that were with him rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem was recorded in such a way as to remind us that everyone is better served when we each stick to the things that we do best. So how can we apply the lesson from today's study? Well, perhaps we need to begin with an examination of our own service to the Lord. Are we doing what we have been gifted to do? Or do we clamor after certain tasks because we just like the idea of doing them? Are we willing to serve in whatever manner is best for the entire church? Secondly, we should probably be praying that God will bless our leaders with the kind of wisdom and discernment that he gave to Nehemiah. Our pastors and church leaders have many difficult decisions to make, and they need God's help to know what course of action is best. Well, we thank you for listening to our broadcast today. If you have been encouraged or challenged by the verse-by-verse radio ministry, please give us a call and tell us about it. The telephone number is 727-239-0306. It is always an encouragement to us to learn that others are being blessed and enriched through these broadcasts. We hope you'll join us next time as 